Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It is not lost on me the massive intelligence failure that took place in Israel that allowed for this invasion to happen. 800 Israelis dead. You know that number is just the number right now. That number is going to grow. You've got 100 and some odd, 160 Israelis that have been captured. Women, children, IDF soldiers so that Hamas can engage a prison swap. You know that Iran was involved. You know that this was a full-on attack meant to start a war. What possibly could Hamas think was going to happen or Iran think was going to happen when, when they did this? There was only one answer, which is this is going to be it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Now, maybe the idea of this is going to be it is my just wishful thinking because I want this to stop. I want it over. Just like you, we are no different. We want it to end. This is nonsense. You cannot keep working with these people, pretending somehow that Hamas is going to come to the table and not want you dead. Hamas wants Israelis dead. This is what they want. From the river to the sea and all that kind of stuff, these people want the Jews and want Israelis dead. Major Mike Lyons joins us, retired United States Army, West Point guy, and of course, military analyst. You see him on cable news, and he is our guy here for Tony Katz today. And Major, let's start with this intelligence failure. This massive uh, missile attack, this barrage, then the actual what do you want to call it? Uh, invasion into Israel, where over 260 people were murdered at a music uh, festival. You had women kidnapped, children kidnapped. You haven't seen that since World War II. Uh, and then you had IDF soldiers killed. They weren't able to respond because they were overwhelmed and taken prisoner. This is a massive, massive failure, an incredible failure of the intelligence community in Israel. How in the world does this happen? Hey, Tony, thanks for having me back. Uh, yeah, it happens because uh, 10 things go right for the Hamas side and on, on that side of the terrorist side, and then 10 things go wrong on the Israeli side from a classic operation. And, and none of those linchpins were pulled out. What I mean by that is it, you know, it's during a holiday. There was a, there was a holiday going on. Israel never thought that this would happen. The enemy wouldn't attack. And Israel doesn't ever thought that the enemy had this kind of capability. There's going to be uh, investigations as to what happened and with regard to where they got the capability to do this. We haven't seen rockets fired from the Gaza Strip in over two years. Um, they thought they had that under control because of that blockade. They had um, enough, they were able to mass enough people, men at the border. You know, they only used a thousand uh, troops here from a straight military, you know, conflict. Uh, Israel will would roll over a thousand people, a thousand people attacking. But what they did was they attacked civilians, which just really even make it a military you know, kind of confrontation. It made it more of a terrorist operation. So, um, so many things went wrong on Israel's side. So many things went right on Hamas side. And, and that's where we have the result. And now that now it's on, but I, I'll tell you this, I think Hamas is dead people walking. I don't see, I don't see them surviving any of this. I think, um, the Israelis have already have activated a hundred thousand troops. Um, it, we're going to see an incredible amount of destruction taking place in the Gaza Strip. Let, let, we'll get to that in, in, in a moment, major, let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. The number of missiles, which which uh, there there isn't an official count of at, that I've seen yet, that were able to be launched 
the sources state that these missiles were not shipped in, but rather were assembled Mm-hmm. in the gaza strip that means a tremendous amount of materials was able to get in whether that's from the mediterranean or mm-hmm. up through uh the, the sinai via egypt if you will or, or in other ways yeah that all missed israeli intelligence that would tell me that mm-hmm. multiple people were asleep at the switch if it, you just said that they wouldn't have expected a, an attack on a jewish holiday it was a holiday called simchas torah uh mm-hmm. yesterday the, the other day over the weekend that is a lot of a sleep at the switch, not only for a day, but for months, if not years. No? Yeah. So here's the kind of rockets that were used. They were short range rockets. And they were the kind that they deploy in mass that overwhelm the Israelis um, Iron Dome system. So that's number one. So those rockets are small and they have small components to them. And that's why they were easily uh, able to be smuggled into the country and then reassembled later. So, you know, this was well-planned, took place, likely they started planning this 18 months ago uh, and, and maybe pinpointed it to the 1973 anniversary as well, 50 years to the date. That's, you know, that's always uh, symbolic for these kinds of terrorist organizations. Um, but yeah, well-planned and, and how it slips through is because it, it, things don't look like rockets given the size of, of, of the kind that they used here. You know, they, they were deployed so close. They got them so close to that border there. By the time we we're in the air, the Iron Dome system couldn't respond. And then like any air defense platform, it can be overwhelmed. You you make the argument that that any uh, of these platforms can be overwhelmed. But this is this is about Iron Dome. So mm-hmm. this has this means that that Hamas has been able to study how the dome has been utilized, which is basically this missile system that shoots down Hamas rockets or Hezbollah rockets before they're able uh, to land. They're mm-hmm. able to study and figure out where the where the damage point is. They mm-hmm. figured you can over, they learn that you can overwhelm this. When did that become part of what they were able to to uh, ascertain? Well, it's just a math equation. If you, you know, there's only X amount of pod rockets that are inside an Iron Dome uh, system. Um, Iron Dome works because it goes after areas of rockets, assuming coming in at the, in the same space, blows up in space, and then and then takes out, you know, let's say ten to fifteen rockets uh, at one time before they land. But if you launch, you know, three thousand of them, or you launch, you know, in the thousands of them. You, that's just a diffi- too difficult for you in, in order to uh, to be defending against, especially if they come in waves, which is what they did there as well. Um, it, it, Israel always knew that Iron Dome could be overwhelmed. It gets it gets down to it's a somewhat of a false sense of security, and then you lay over the fact that these were shorter range from a reaction perspective. They they flew at a lower altitude. All, all the things that made it easier. So so the, it, it's a gap, lack of creativity. Same things that happened to the United States. You know, 22 years ago, 9-11, when um, we thought we were safe and we never thought an enemy could use our, our airlines against us and then didn't 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 catch all of the, the indicators that this was happening. It's the same thing. Israel's going to go back and study all the things that they should have picked up beforehand. They'll never make that mistake again. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. We talk about the Israeli um Uh, military israeli intelligence missing this and certainly there's a political reality that now exists for benjamin netanyahu the prime minister was the united states in any way aware of this attack was there anything that was going on in previous reporting that you have seen that would be able to be tied to what it is we saw over the weekend what is continuing I, I don't think so. I've not seen anything that we've reported on. And I would say that it would have been difficult for us to 
And that's because this kind of attack would have fallen below a U.S. radar with regard to, you know, what connecting all the dots. Once again, they're not they, they, they would have never thought, just like the Israelis, that they could have they could have smuggled in those kind of smaller rockets. Lack of creativity. Didn't think they were going to use those kind of rockets. Um, they didn't see any kind of massing at the border. They did see they did understand that there was a training exercise that they had set up and they had trained on at some level for this. But that that happens all the time. You see those, uh, you know, you go back to the late 90s, those videos of those of the guys with AK-47s jumping around on the monkey bars. I mean, so that, that's all part of their propaganda uh, for their people. Um, but they never connected the dot and in, in terms of where they attacked. And they attacked at the both at the weak point in the north and the weak point at the south. So um, it, it likely flew below U.S. intel noise radar for saying, hey, something's going on here. The weak point. Let's take a look just by the way. Here's here's the map. Mm-hmm. You take a look at this. Uh, that that is uh, Gaza, right there on the Mediterranean, bordering uh, with with Egypt. Uh, there in that Rafa area, which is to the south, uh, that's where one of the checkpoints was. And then mm-hmm. at the very very uh, north, uh, that's where the other checkpoint was. That's where two of these major uh, attacks. Uh, came from and the series of small towns that were hit and and, and attacked. What's different here mm-hmm. is that the objective of Hamas was to was not just to saber rattle. It mm-hmm. was to destroy and it was to collect prisoners yeah. so they can engage a massive prisoner swap mm-hmm. with Israel. It's a matter of tactic, uh, Major yeah. Lyons. Yeah, this is a shift for sure. Yeah, and they'd likely learned from what the United States did with the Iranians creating that uh, trading money for our, our American hostages. Um, I think that that factored into their equation as well. Um, but the but the bottom line is Israel is no longer going to play with this. I mean, they're 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 recognizing now that Hamas is out for the destruction of Israel now in a big way. I think this is going to mobilize. This is this is a linchpin. It's it's a ter- tipping point. You know, pick pick your term. That's the, it's going to change the course of history with regard to what what Israel is going to do. I don't I why I, I don't think they're going to stop. They're not letting Hamas back in. The collateral damage, unfortunately, could be some of those Israeli citizens, which I'm sure they will do everything to try to rescue as a one off that from a military perspective, that's probably the most difficult mission. Their equivalent of JSOC, their their highly specialized joint operations command. They are they're clearing their desks right now, figuring out how they go and rescue each of those hostages, probably one at a time. And if I know the state of Israel, they're going to try to do that. Now let's dig into this this response as you're discussing it. First, you have actual hostages that need to be rescued. Then what does one do about Hamas and the whole of Gaza? Then it's a conversation of Iran. And then it's a conversation of how nations like Egypt and Jordan and others respond. This mm-hmm. all is in the backdrop of the idea that Israel was going to sign this pact with Saudi Arabia, as we've seen other nations uh, uh, vis-a-vis the the Abraham Accords, Mm -hmm. and it was going to create a tighter relationship. You certainly have Iran questioning this in terms of a Sunni-Shia conversation. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about this Israel deal with Saudi Arabia and Mm -hmm. whether you think that had an impact on this attack happening now. I think I think you're onto something, Tony. But I think it had it at fifty thousand feet and not at the tactical level. I think you know Hamas are it's an attack dog. It's it's a 
it's a tactic. It's, you know, it's the Irish Republican Army. It's, it's an arm, you know, war of an extension of foreign policy. They're the attack dog to this. I think it all comes from Iran. And it frankly is a Shia Sunni divide that has existed since 9-11 in, in some different ways as some of those, you know, more Sunni, the Sunni countries have become more aligned towards Israel. The difference between this and 1973 is when Israel was attacked on the north and the south, the Syrian military rolled tanks to the north and the Golan Heights and the Egyptians rolled them across the Gaza Strip in the south. That, those those days are over. There's nobody coming to the side of the Palestinians here. It's not happening. The, you know, the, 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 the Hamas soldiers, that's it, which is why they're done. So, so this is uh, potentially that signal. I think the next question really is, does Israel use this to attack to attack uh, Iran, to take out their nuclear capability, right? You go back to 1981 in Osirik, the Israelis had enough with the with the Iraqis. They decided to blow up their nuclear capability and set them back forever. This is what this is about. This is about Saudi Arabia eventually getting nuclear capability. The Iranians don't want that to happen. So that's why their fingerprints are all over this. So in, in the response from Israel... I go back to what it is uh, that it can be. It is, certainly it is about trying to rescue as many hostages as you can. Yeah. And there have already been reports of some rescued. Then mm-hmm. there is what you do about Hamas and how that's going to affect Gaza. And then there is Iran. So let's now discuss the idea of Hamas itself. You made the point early on in this conversation, talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, that Hamas is dead man walking. Mm-hmm. Give me a detailed down to down to the crossing the eyes and dotting the T's. Yeah. What that means to you. Yeah. So every single facility, every single area that they know that Hamas operates out of is going to get flattened. That's going to go. I mean, you, you already saw it already. And the, the collateral damage will be irrelevant to the Israelis because it's no, they're no longer going to just target combatants. Um, they'll, they'll tr- do what they can on, on some level. I went to a briefing over the weekend, actually, about this this kind of warfare that that uh, there that was that's being done right now. in this again, in this century at, with uh, with this enemy that uh, decides to intermingle with civilians and hide behind them. And uh, the, the one thing the United States has learned is protecting the forces, the number one priority. Well, that's the Israelis the same way. They're going to protect their force and they're going to protect their people. So there's going to be the backlash is coming. But they don't care. They're going to if you're a you know direct link to the second independent you know relative of a person who helped Hamas at some point, you're on the list. So pack your bags because the, uh, there's something coming your way in order to stop it. And, and, and again, think Taliban in Afghanistan in 2002 as the United States you know military took over Afghanistan and got rid of that government. That's what's going to happen here. There's going to be there's going to be a way that they're going to really? have to do re-elections. I, I think so. I mean, sure. But does going back mean killing every Hamas fighter? And that's going to include some innocent civilians and wiping Gaza clean of Hamas and saying Gaza's Gaza belongs to Israel. Gaza is Israel. And that's it. It's over. No more Palestinian anything. No more two state solution. Anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Jordanians can take you back. Egypt mm-hmm. can take you. We're done here. That to me is the cleaning house conversation. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that they're not saying that out loud right now um, because that that sparks the outrage that we always see that happens against Israel. That's what's what brings up the things. But I do think that that's one of their end games. Israel is always look at look at their geography. Right. Look at 
like it was there. They've always had this challenge. I, I thought it was going to happen, you know, more in the West Bank than it, than it happened in Gaza, frankly. Um, you concentrate forces in that middle part of the West Bank and in, in, in Israel and you divide Israel in half and you, you know, classic military maneuver, divide and conquer. Um, so, again, Hamas kind of blows it on some level because they shot this wad right now with regard to, um, you know, this one big attack killing what they've done. But now that it's, it's over. And now you're going to see the thing tip well back in the back of the favor of the Israelis. So that's why um, I, I do think that eventually you're going to see Israel take back control of Gaza. I think that's what's going to that's what's going to eventually mean. They're not saying that out loud right now, though. One of the big questions that has been asked, uh, Major Mike Lyons, uh, retired United States Army. Did the $6 billion matter? The $6 billion that was part of the prisoner swap that Joe Biden allowed to be unfrozen. Remember, it wasn't a check written by the United States. It was mm-hmm. unfrozen uh, funds. Yep. And uh, you'll see a lot of people on, on my side of the aisle. This is because Biden gave them the $6 billion. Biden has funded the war on terrorism. Now, the $6 billion could very well be used for that. I believe it will be used for that. Mm-hmm. This seems to have been long in the planning. The Wall Street Journal uh, reporting that as well. This $6 billion, is it fair to say this was used in this attack? Probably not fair to be used in this attack, but it puts $6 billion in the bank for future operations. I think I think the $4 billion that the Obama administration had a lot more to do with this attack than that $6 billion. Um, I think there's a lot of fingerprints of the Obama administration on uh, on that deal, on the $6 billion deal. I mean, look, the Obama administration, that they wanted that Iran deal to be the, the, you know, the legacy of a Barack Obama. You know, you and I have talked, the biggest, I believe the biggest foreign policy failure in our country in our lifetime post-World War II has been Iran. And Barack Obama wanted to solve that. Uh, but the Iranian nuclear deal, all it did was kick the problem down the road 10 years when he would have been out of office in debt or something, maybe. So, so I do think that that had a lot to do with it. But now they have $6 billion in the bank for future operations. Now, whether it, the Iranians deploy that uh, to to Hamas or Hezbollah or some other terrorist organization that they're going to fund remains to be seen. But they, they got a $6 billion payday. That is Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. I always appreciate you being with us, sir. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Robert Kennedy going to go with an independent run. No longer be a Democrat, run as an independent. This is interesting because Cornell West just said, I'm not going to run on the Green Party ticket. I'm going to run as an independent. There must be some kind of advantage they think it gives them. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything I do at TonyKatz.com. I am still amazed that there are Republicans out there who are like, oh, I'm going to take a real look at Robert Kennedy. Because he's with you on vaccines? I can't say it enough. If you're looking at Robert Kennedy, you're you're looking at a mirage of an oasis. He is a progressive's progressive. Ten years ago, if you didn't agree with him about climate change, he wanted you in jail. I believe he's changed. No, I don't. I don't believe the policies have changed. I believe the methodology of the conversation has changed. I enjoyed my conversation with him. I did the interview. We were nose to nose. I've heard the man speak. Oh my gosh, not a chance. You think your taxes are going to go down with a Robert Kennedy? We're going to argue that he's what the country needs? They all, they all told me 
that if you elect Trump, he's going to destroy conservatism. I'm like, that's just simply untrue. Burke and Locke, the founding, the foundations, that does not that does not change. It won't change with Robert Kennedy either if he got elected. But if you're voting for him, you aren't clearly a conservative. I mean, that's just obvious. There's no way he comes, Trump comes closer. There's no way Robert Kennedy comes close. That's madness. This is Tony Katz today. It is one thing to say, man, Israel's going to respond because of this attack. It's another thing to understand how. And to understand how, you have to understand why. And if you want to understand why, you have to understand the history. How many opportunities have been taken to engage a piece that simply did not work? Because quite possibly, as I have said it, and I mean it factually, peace is not the objective of people who want to kill you. You cannot engage peace with people who don't want it. And you certainly cannot appease people outside of the region who think that Israel has to do X or has to do Y or Israel's the aggressor. Israel got attacked. 800 plus Israelis are dead. IDF soldiers were taken prisoner. Women were raped and women and children were taken prisoner. That has not happened since World War II. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Let me bring in Mr. Yinam Cohen. He is the Council General for the Israeli Consulate General in Chicago. That's where he is based, uh, engaging in conversations here in the U.S., specifically in the Midwest, uh, about Israel. And, sir, before we get into uh, maybe levels of detail. It is clear that there was an intelligence failure. I will say it as directly as I can. It is shocking that Mossad or Shin Bet, uh, U.S. intelligence, could have missed this level of ability to attack with rockets and overwhelm Iron Dome, it seems, and to miss the idea that there were going to be these terrorists, these Hamas uh, uh, leaders, officials, uh, recruits, whatever you want to call them, who were going to infiltrate Israel and be on a search and destroy mission. Uh, how has these first 48 hours been for Israel, for Israelis, since this attack? It's been devastating 48 hours since uh, the attack began. And I have to, I mean, make it very clear. The situation is still unfolding. There is still, during the night, there has been some uh, fighting between terrorists who are still in the Israeli territory in our security forces. Um, At the same time, rockets are still being shot towards Israeli civilian uh, centers in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, all the way down south. And we're facing a situation in the north with the um, Hezbollah organization from Lebanon. But let's talk about what's been happening. On the, on the, on the morning of Shabbat, the Jewish uh, sacred day of Saturday, which also coincided with uh, a Jewish high holiday, Simchat Torah, um, an orchestrated terrorist attack took place. Three More than 3,000 missiles were shot towards Israeli civil uh, centers in Tel Aviv, in Jerusalem, and down south, and in parallel, more than 1,000 Hamas and Islamic Jihad terrorists invaded uh, the Israeli border, entered to more than 20 Israeli communities, and what they did there was a barbaric, brutal massacre. They were going from one house to another, invading the houses, taking hostage of the families, 
shooting and killing the families. They were shooting children in front of their mothers, parents in front of their kids, taking um, many of them hostages, setting houses on fire. Right now, there is more than 100, apparently, 100 Israeli hostages, as you mentioned, in the hands of Hamas in the Gaza Strips. In the Gaza Strip, we're talking about children that were torn away from their mothers, elderly people, Holocaust survivors. This is a situation that we've never lived before. Um, one more thing, there was a beautiful um, music festival in the south of Israel. Hamas terrorists arrived there and just started to massacre the participants, the dancers uh, that were partying there. More than 260 people were killed only in this party. And not only that, they continued to brutalize the body. So what we're talking, we're saying Hamas and Islamic Jihad, but we're actually talking about the ISIS methods. Today, Hamas is ISIS, and this is what we're facing. Now, that conversation of Hamas is ISIS uh, has, has been coming up over uh, the weekend repeatedly because the barbarism is at a different level. But again, I must go back to Israel's uh, intelligence services really were that caught by surprise? Is, it, it, can you give me an idea of exactly where the, the downfall of the intelligence services was? This is a very good question, and we will definitely have to investigate it. Um, but the major focus right now is to make sure to secure that our southern communities are safe, that there is no terrorists that are threatening our people, our families, our women and children down south. And this is the major effort right now. The second effort that will probably start very soon, or has already started basically, is to is what's probably going to be a long-term operation to totally eradicate the threat of the radical Islamist uh, terrorism towards Israeli citizens. Um, we are going to eat hard, the Hamas and Islamic Jihad in the Gaza Strip, to make sure that such atrocities would never um, uh, uh, happen again. Talking to Yanam Cohen, Consul General, the Israeli Consulate General in Chicago, you talk about hitting hard in in the Gaza Strip. As Axios has reported today, in a conversation between Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Biden, Israel does not have any choice but to unleash a ground operation in Gaza. The quote is, we have to go in. This according to three Israeli and U.S. sources who were briefed on the call. Can you talk to me about what going into Gaza means? It's not going to be an afternoon walk, but at the same time, if you need to act, you need to act. And right now, since the security of Israel has been breached in such a, a barbaric way, we need to act and we will do whatever needed to secure our citizens and, and, you know, and the state of Israel. The, the question really starts to build into, is this about Hamas and extricating Hamas from Gaza? Or is this about an Israeli takeover uh, of Gaza? Where do the the going in part is not something that I object to, sir. My, the argument is it does not come from me. It's really a question of understanding of the goal. 
is is this about removal of Hamas or is this about the full take back of Gaza by Israel and returning it rightfully to Israel? We don't have any intention to um, take over and manage the life of uh, one and a half million Palestinians who live in the Gaza Strip. Um, They should handle their own life. At the same time, if the um, authorities there are unable or basically promoting terrorist attacks against Israel, we'll have to tackle that in a very direct way. Again, the major goal is to make sure that for the long run, no threats, terrorist attacks from the Gaza Strip are uh, perpetrated against Israeli civil population. We don't have any intention to control the life of the Palestinians there. We just need to uh, secure the life of Israelis um, in, you know, especially in the south part, part of Israel. So uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has called it a war and said this will take a while. You uh, have discussed is not a walk in the park. I I agree. This will take uh, a a while. I, I get that part of it. But we also understand that when you refer to Hamas as ISIS, they use children and women as human shields. They're using Israelis against the Israelis to try and prevent the attack. And the only way to uproot and root out and end Hamas is to go door to door and uh, eliminate, if you will, every last Hamas member, which will then, of course, lead to a conversation of how these people self-govern. How does that happen knowing that Israelis are being held hostage and children are being used as shields? This is a major question. Um, This is a major question that is being discussed right now. Of course, Hamas would definitely try to take advantage of that and use the Israeli children that they're holding hostage as human shields. We have no doubt about it. So this is being discussed right now. We can't share on, you know, the radio operational um, planning, but this is something that is definitely being uh, discussed right now. It will pose a serious constraint about everything that Israel does, but at the same time, we are determined to fight back and get better security to our people. There has been much... I'll refer to it as unrest uh, in in Israel regarding the judicial reforms and the judicial plan, what Benjamin Netanyahu has put into place, people being very bothered by this, specifically uh, views and visions of the Supreme Court, which in Israel works far differently than the Supreme Court in the United States. This attack, does it put all the other stuff to rest? Do we see a united front? It's no secret that the past year, I would say, in Israel was complicated in terms of uh, political and social polarization. We had our debates on, on internal issues, including the judicial reform. But right now, what's happening is that we're fighting to save and secure our home, the Jewish and democratic state of Israel, the Jewish homeland. And when we do that, we are very, very united. You know, you just need to go over Israeli social media. Just a week ago, there was there were so many arguments about internal issues. Now you see everybody united. It's not a cliche. That, that is the situation. Right and left fighting together to save our one and only Jewish state. Well, one of the other fights that may be coming up is with Iran. The, the Wall Street Journal reported that Iran had a major hand 
in the planning of this operation. We know that Iran does the funding of Hamas, as they do to Hezbollah uh, in in the north. The United States has moved the Ford Carrier Group with the USS Gerald Ford, the most advanced aircraft carrier that we have, along with destroyers and other ships, into the eastern uh, Middle East. They'll be there soon. Uh, Can you tell us whether you think or whether you know or whether there's a willingness uh, that if Iran needs to be a target in order to ensure the safety and security of Israel, that Tehran could indeed be a target? It is no secret that Iran has been standing promoting, financing, inspiring these terrorist organizations, not only in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, not only Hamas and Islamic Jihad, but also Hezbollah in Lebanon, um, Shiite militias in Syria and in Yemen. And it is also clear today that Iran does not pose a threat only to Israel, but also to stability in the Middle East to the moderate Arab countries in the Middle East. You know, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated three years to the Abraham Accords, the biggest accomplishment for peace in the Middle East in three years, in in many decades, sorry. We are also discussing, together with the United States, the joining of Saudi Arabia into, into, you know, the peace circle with Israel. And while we celebrate that, Iran is trying to destabilize the Middle East. So it's a threat to Israel. It's a threat to the moderate Arab countries in the Middle East. But it's also a global threat because Iran has, for example, been the major supporter of the Russian aggressions against Ukraine. So this is a global threat. And I think there's a growing understanding here in America, in Europe, and basically in every uh, Western democracy that Iran is a global threat and a global threat needs a global answer. But a global answer uh, doesn't necessarily mean the removal of of the threat. This takes us back to the conversation about Hamas. It has been 50 years since the Yom Kippur War. You talk about this attack taking place on the holiday of Simchas Torah. 50 years, no peace has been achieved. The attacks have been constant and continual. This one being uh, the most deadly, if we were going to engage it as a proportion of population, people have referred to it as 9-11 style in terms of of, of brutality and, uh, and of shock value, as we experience in the United States, uh, what has been right. experienced in, in Israel. How does this allow for any future peace with Hamas or the Palestinian liberation, whatever they're calling themselves today, how does it not come to, we've tried, you don't want this, we're done here? This is a very, very good question. Thank you for that. Because not only did Hamas and Islamic Jihad slaughtered 700 Israeli civilians, at the same time we've seen many other Palestinians in the West Bank, in Lebanon, and in other countries celebrating this massacre. And that brings a very uh, significant uh, question mark on their ability to actually, and their will to actually make peace and live side by side with Israel. So this is a major question. I have to tell you, though, that at the same time, we're seeing a lot of Arab countries that are now reacting in a very different way. They are understanding the threat. They're understanding what's happening in Israel. They've had peace with Israel for three years or for 30 years, and it is not one Arab bloc. I, I totally look at them as the um, 
axis of evil, if you wish, that is Iran, Hamas, the Islamic Jihad, Lebanon, Syria, but also the moderate Arab countries which want peace with Israel and have peace with Israel and, and support and promote this peace. The United Arab Emirates, Morocco, Bahrain, Egypt, Jordan, and maybe very soon also Saudi Arabia. And we have to make this distinction. Will the deal with Saudi Arabia go forward? I truly hope so. I think that Saudi Arabia is one of the most important leaders of the Arab world. They're a major you know, economic hub. They, they, in their territory, they host two of the most holy sites for Islam in the world. And peace with Saudi Arabia means basically, I would say, a huge jump forward towards ending the conflict, the historic conflict between the Arab world and Israel. The American administration works very hard to bring Saudi Arabia into the peace circle with Israel, and I really hope that we'll see some good news in the upcoming uh, months. We will keep updated with you in the days ahead. You know, I'm Cohen, Consul General, Israeli Consul General in Chicago. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I think it is very clear that this war is just beginning. And just so I'm on the record, even though I'm already on the record, allow me to say that I believe the answer is the wholesale removal of Hamas from Gaza and taking it back. Whether the quote-unquote Palestinians stay or whether the Palestinians are returned to Jordan as ethnic Jordanians, uh, well, I'll do either. Also remember, I don't have a say. I'm an American citizen. That I'm Jewish does not give me some kind of extra special understanding of the situation. I study it like you do. Maybe it creates a little more emotion, being a Jewish state and being a place you can escape to, when all else is is lost. I take that seriously. And as I say, I'm a Zionist. Israel has the right to exist, and Israel has the right to defend itself. Unquestionably, in my view. But I don't know how you end Hamas without ending this concept of Gaza to begin with. I don't know how that works. What I do know is Netanyahu is right. Ground troops are going in. And Hamas has to go by every means necessary. I'll catch you tomorrow, everyone. Take care.